Well, good morning. Good morning. We want to welcome you today. Glad that you are here on this uh, on this Lord's Day. Um, it is a very unusual day for us today, and it, that's obviously uh, unusual because I'm up here first before we sing. And the reason I'm up here first is to tell you about our unusual day today. Uh, this is a very abbreviated worship service that we're going to have here at Northside. So, so our 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 vision is to be finished here and out the door by 10 after 11. Now, some of you say, man, that's a good Sunday. Uh, you're a wise guy, too. So, uh, um, And the reason is, is because we want you all to leave here and then travel over to the YMCA to celebrate a baptism service. We are having baptism at the Y because our baptismal pool here is not suitable to baptize an octogenarian. If you don't know what an octogenarian is, if you, if you are an octogenarian, be sure to tell everybody else what that is. Um, so uh, seriously, we're, we're baptizing somebody who's got some, some orthopedic issues, and so we want to make sure that their baptism is as safe as could be. And so we're going to be doing that at the YMCA pool, because uh, so, it's deeper, and, and we, can, we can make sure to uh, protect, that, protect that person, make sure that they are, are good and safe and sound in, in that baptism process. So we're going to go over there. We've got at least three... We're still letting folks, if, if, you, if you need to get baptized, today's a great day to do that. So, uh, so just because we said there's three doesn't mean that there's not room for more. Uh, so if you're here today, if you're not a Christian, you need to get saved. You need to give your life to Jesus, and then you need to get baptized. Uh, I can't say it any simpler than that. If you are a Christian, you haven't been baptized, you need to, you need to come to grips with that and get, and get serious about your faith and get baptized. Uh, and today's a great day to make that happen. A couple of matters of instruction, though, that I want to make sure to tell you about. The YMCA is requiring every family that comes in to sign a waiver because they don't want you to sue them. Uh, so if you slip and fall, they don't want you to sue them and, and have your initial put at the end of that. That's what the YMCA stands for. It's people who've sued successfully and had their initials added to the name. Um, they need you to fill out a waiver. That waiver is up, it's out on the welcome desk. All you do is sign it, put your kid's name, your wife's name, husband's name, whatever on there, sign it, and bring it with you and give it to them when you come in the door. See that as your ticket to get in the door. The other thing I want to say is make sure that once we're all said and done here, don't chitter-chat a long time in the building because there's folks that want to go and can't go until everybody's out of the building. So be sure to get your kids as quickly as possible. Be sure to carry conversations out in the parking lot. That's not because we don't want you to have conversations. We just want to make sure that everybody who wants to go is able to go because we have to be over there and be finished by noon. Uh, so, so we're trying to have our baptism finished by noon. So we're going to finish here, get over there, and get the baptism done and be finished by noon. So, so please do make sure that, 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 you're, that you're considerate of other folks. And then lastly, if you brought something to have for lunch afterwards, we're having a soup and sandwich fellowship afterwards, and it's in the kitchen, you're responsible for bringing it, okay? Sometimes we think somebody else will get it. If you've got something, you need to bring it with you so that it's there and not left here, because if you don't get it, it will be left here, and we'll enjoy it later on tonight when we find that it was left plugged in in the kitchen. And so, uh, so we want to make sure we've got it for lunch. So if you brought something, be sure to bring it with you when you leave here. I think that's all the logistics stuff. I hate starting a service with those kind of logistical things, but I want to make sure to, uh, to make sure everybody's on the same page as far as that goes. One other thing before we start, this month is Curtis and Ann's 15th anniversary uh, serving as our church uh, music family, uh, and next Sunday we're going to do a little recognition for them. Uh, we're going to provide them with a, with a, little, bit of a, a little bit of a getaway. Uh, 
I would love if you folks would, would honor them uh, just independently with a thank you card or, uh, or uh, they like to eat at Cracker Barrel and they like to eat at La Perilla. Um, so if you'd like to honor them in that way, just know that we're going to do that next Sunday morning as part of our recognition of them for their 15, 15 years of service here. So I just want to make sure you're aware of that, and uh, we'd love for you and your family to, uh, to honor them as well. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get our worship service started. Father, thank you so much for this day that you blessed us with. God, for an exciting day today, Lord. Lord, would you just be honored with what goes on today, Lord, both here in this place and around a swimming pool, Lord, as we celebrate baptism, Lord. Father, I pray for those in the room today that are not followers of Jesus, God, that they'd get saved. Lord, that they would repent from sin and put their faith and trust in Christ alone. God, and that they'd say, I can be baptized today, Lord. What a delight that would be, Father. I pray for those here today, God, who, for whatever reason, have just chosen to be disobedient when it comes to baptism. And Lord, that they would really just come to grips with that, Father, and, and be obedient and do what they're supposed to do with that in that regard, Father. Father, I pray that our worship time would be uh, pleasing to you, and God, that you would meet with us here and there, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning, if you'll stand up with us, please. Grave, race to life. 
so much, Alex. If you guys will stand with us again at this time, uh, children can be dismissed to Children's Church, the youngest ones, the pre-K and the Ks. So whether you're just before K or you're at K, you guys can be dismissed while we sing this song. And this is an easy song. We don't do too often, but guys, we typically like if you'll sing with me and then the ladies will echo and then on the chorus, everybody can sing. Well, there's parts where you sing together, not the chorus, but all right. He has shown thee, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee. He has 
but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. All right, come on, guys. He has shown thee, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee. And he has shown thee. To do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy Please remain standing as we share God's Word together this morning from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, I'll begin reading in verse 13. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 13. Word of the Lord came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord. And they shall come, and every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls, all around, and against the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them, for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise, and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the prophet Jeremiah, how you spoke to him and gave him a message for the people, Lord, and that message still resounds with us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. Be seated. Found a picture of the baptismal pool uh, getting ready uh, today. There's two extremes. Uh, you don't want a baptism that's too cold, nor do you really want one that's too hot. Do you, Mike? Where's Mike? Uh, Mike, we nearly cooked Mike when we baptized him. Uh, <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> uh, Jeremiah's second vision that he received here was, uh, was a pot of boiling water. Last week we talked about Jeremiah's first vision, Jeremiah's vision of, of this almond branch. And this almond branch became a symbol for the prophet that God would be faithful to his word. Uh, and as a play on words, the almond branch sounds like the word for, the word almond sounds like the word for watch. And so it's a play on words, but this almond branch in Jeremiah's vision became a symbol of what God would do, reflecting God's faithfulness, reflecting the fact that his word will accomplish exactly what his word is intended to accomplish. This first vision that Jeremiah saw was an affirmation of God's character, after all. It served to remind Jeremiah that he was to be the mouthpiece for the Lord and that what he spoke came from proper authority and was reinforced and backed by the ultimate authority that we find in the Lord. 
The second vision that Jeremiah receives is a frightening omen of things that were to come. A frightening picture of what the future held. Now, because we know of God's character, that that he's going to watch over his word and do exactly what his word is intended to do, this character is affirmed by this first vision, that we know that this second vision is, um, is... is more than just a, it's more than just a, an empty threat. Uh, you know, like sometimes parents make, we make empty threats when the kids are in the back seat. Don't make me pull this car over. I don't know that that's ever happened. I feel bad for the day that if it ever happened with my kids. But it's more than just an empty threat. It's a frightening picture of what's coming, and it's a, pic, a, a terrifying picture of the consequences of sin and rebellion. This is what is to come. So what is this second vision, this boiling pot of liquid that Jeremiah sees? Well, pay attention to the the, the specificity of the vision. For instance, it's coming from the north. In those days, nobody was marching from Babylon to Israel from the east because there's a gigantic desert in the way. It's interesting if you were to look up the territory that was held by the Islamic State at, at their kind of their greatest extent. They've got a, a lot of territory around like the Euphrates River, but nobody claims that territory between Babylon and Israel. It was a desert. You wouldn't, you wouldn't march through that. You would lose your entire army if you did. And so the, any, any invader from Babylon would come in from the north. Uh, otherwise, they'd lose their army. And we know from history that that nation would be the nation of Babylon. The Lord is also very specific in his indictment of the nation of Israel. He says that they are guilty of idolatry, and he says that they are guilty of pride. He says that they've worshipped other gods, and he says that they've worshipped the works of their own hands. That is the, the nature of their disobedience. Now, it'd be very easy um, for someone to be given an image so terrifying and say, let me just get out of the way, Right? There's something horrifying coming. There's judgment coming from the north. There's a boiling pot of liquid being poured out from the north. It would be easy to make haste and get out of the way. For Jeremiah, he might think, you know, there's some nice beaches in Greece. You know, somewhere quiet to avoid all of this. Maybe a secluded little island in the middle of the Aegean Sea, something like that. And maybe Jeremiah just here, Lord, Lord, thanks for the heads up. Let me get out of the way. But what does the Lord say to Jeremiah? Dress yourself to work for work. Arise. Say to them, everything that I command you, do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the walls, uh, against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord. Verse 7 literally means to, to gird your loins. It's a, passive, it's a term that we hear in Scripture. I found an interesting infographic if you ever want to know how to gird your loins. That's how you do it. What, what, what's going on in the girding of one's loins is, is the preparation for hard work or battle. If a person's wearing a tunic, it's impossible to to go and engage in hard work or be prepared for battle. And so to gird one's loins is 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 a colloquial expression for saying, make ready yourself for battle. Get ready for hard work. You didn't go work in the field and, and, and work in the, 
and harvesting things with your, with your tunic all the way to the ground. You, you wrapped it up. You got ready for battle. Remember when we talked about the armor of God from the book of Ephesians, the belt of truth. That was the implement that the soldier used to, in fact, do this very thing, to gird one's loins. When Job, if you've been reading along with us in the scriptures in the last, uh, last couple of weeks, when God finally speaks to Job after Job's um, uh, desire to put God on trial, what does God say to Job? He says, gird your loins. Be ready to talk to me like a man. It's time to go to work. It's time to, it's time to go around here. It's time for a fight. That's what this is saying. God tells Jeremiah, this young prophet, that he is God's representative for the people. And in spite of the danger that's looming, in spite of the hardness of the hearts of the people of Israel, God tells Jeremiah that he is with him and he will deliver him. Might I suggest to you today that we're not all that far removed from the world of the prophet Jeremiah. We're not all that far removed from the world of the prophet Jeremiah. For instance, I, I really do believe this, that we live among a people, and perhaps we are a people who have a tremendous amount of idols in our lives. Folks, the world outside is, it's easy to identify the, the temples of the world of idols outside. Those temples are, are those ornate places where people congregate. There's a, a huge temple that people will gather together this evening to watch two teams come together and, and, and do battle. Uh, that's an idol that for so many people in our world today, their, their lives are, are built around this. They tell us that tomorrow is one of the worst days in the, his, in, in the year for people to call in sick for work because of they being up late watching commercials. Matter of fact, speaking of commercials, we see two idols at work in the spectacle we'll see tonight, both the idol of athleticism and the idol of commercialism, all of which are at work there in that spectacle. But you know what the most powerful God is in this pantheon of idolatry today? He has a name. Uh, remember when Moses came to uh, the burning bush and, and God spoke from the burning bush and called Moses to go back to the people of Israel? Remember what God said his name was? Tell them what? I am has sent you. Tell them I am has sent you. And that, that's where we get the term Yahweh is, is from the Hebrew expression of, of I am. Well, what's the most powerful God in, in this pantheon? He has a name. I me. Not I am. I me. That's, that's one of the greatest idols that we have today is this God called I me. And, and where does he live? right here, and in your life, and in the lives of those outside, I, me. In Romans 1, Paul warned of the day that people would stop worshiping the Creator and start worshiping the creature. We live in that day today. And while this has certainly taken place in every generation, I can't imagine there's been a time in history where idolatry and pride has been so rampant and unrestrained as it is today. Well, another place that we recognize the connection here is we understand just as Jeremiah did. Jeremiah was given a vision of a boiling pot that represented judgment that was coming across the nation. But men and women, we understand that there is coming a fierce and final judgment to this world. We understand that. There is a boiling pot that is prepared to dump its contents. We know that there is a fierce and final judgment against idolatry and godlessness. 
And I believe that Jeremiah's vision and his instructions are just as valid for us as they were for him. I believe those instructions are just as valid for us as they were for him. What did God tell Jeremiah? Dress for work. You don't get to go run and retreat and find a nice secluded beach in the, you know, on, the, on a Greek isle somewhere. You don't get to do that. Dress for work. Get ready to go to battle. Get ready to go to war. Dress for work. What does God tell Jeremiah? You're going to declare my word. You're going to tell the nation my words. I will be with you and I will give you words to speak. You're going to declare my words to the nation. He tells Jeremiah, expect resistance. They're going to fight against you. They're not going to want to hear what you have to say. Expect resistance. But Jeremiah know of God's provision, God's presence, and God's protection. The same thing God's telling us today. Are we aware that there's a final and fierce judgment coming? It's, spe- it's clearly spelled out in the Word of God. There is coming a day where it is fierce, it is final, where godlessness no longer triumphs, where it meets its proper end. That day is coming. You know, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he asks Peter in particular, he says, Peter, who, who do you say that I am? You know what Peter says? King James, you've got to say it in King James, thou art the Christ. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, that's exactly right. He says, and you are Peter, and on this rock, not the man Peter, but on this rock, this declaration of Jesus as the Son of God, on this declaration, I will build my church, and what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen to that. On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Men and women, we have an opportunity and an obligation to warn people that there is great, grave danger waiting for them if they do not turn from the God of self and the gods of stuff. There is great and grave danger waiting for people who worship at the at the at the altar of idolatry and not the worship of the son of and not the altar of the son of God. There is great and grave danger waiting for those who continue to worship the God I me and not the God I am. There is great and grave danger coming and we have an opportunity and an obligation to warn people that there is this great and grave danger. But there is deliverance and salvation waiting for those people in Jesus. If they will but forsake their idolatry and their rebellion against the Lord and put their faith and trust in Jesus. This is our message. This is the word given to us. From the Lord. Who else is declaring this? No one. No one. Men and women, it's the church's responsibility to declare this word to the nation. Unfortunately, too many of us are like Jonah. You know, Jonah was was probably the worst missionary from an attitude standpoint. He's very effective. It just tells you the Lord can do what he wants to do, whether you're happy about it or not. 
He was incredibly effective, but he was not happy about being effective. You remember what happened to Jonah at the end of, of preaching in Nineveh? He marched himself up to a hillside overlooking the, the, the city of Nineveh, waiting for the fire and brimstone to start falling. And the Lord came to him and taught him while he was sitting there waiting. You know, the plant grew and Jeremiah or Jonah was happy and then the worm ate the plant and he was miserable. And God said, you're more upset about a plant that was eaten than you are about this city with all these people. Some of us are like Jonah when we, when we look at the problems that our world is in. We've got our comfortable spot on the hillside. We're out of harm's way. We're just waiting for the fire and brimstone to start falling. Maybe that hillside is our Sunday school class. Maybe that hillside is our church. It's comfortable. It's easy. It doesn't challenge us or hold us accountable. We are safe and sound. Just far enough out of harm's way that we won't get any of the fallout. But I really do believe that God is looking at us like he's looking at Jeremiah, telling us, get yourself ready for work. Gird your loins, you're going to battle. You've got a word to declare to the nations, and I'm going to be with you every step of the way. After all, isn't that what Jesus said in the Great Commission? Go therefore into all the world, making disciples, baptizing. And what did Jesus say? Lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. It's exactly what he told Jeremiah. I will be with you. I will give you the words. God's given us the words that need to be shared. We don't have to invent new words or engage in, in empty arguments. We just have to share the words that have been given. We have a gospel of good news that's ready and packaged, ready to declare to the nations. We just have to do it. Willingly. Excited, with excitement, with enthusiasm. What's the last time you spoke into the life of someone who was stuck in their sin and rebellion? To speak truth into their life. When's the last time that you took time to share both the warning of what is coming and the offer of rescue provided to us by the Lord? When's the last time you had that conversation. What is this called? It's called the gospel. It's already been given to us. The best news the world's ever known is the gospel. And the gospel, before it's good news, is bad news. Because it's bad news because it reminds us that we have got a mess in our lives. We worship at the altar of a God called I and me. And as long as we worship at that altar... We can't get to where we need to be. Jesus wants that to change. Jesus wants to rearrange that, and that's what the gospel is. It warns us about the consequences of our sin and our rebellion. It warns us about worshiping at the altar of self and the altar of stuff. It warns us about that. It tells us about the consequences of our sin. But then there is this offer, this incredible offer that's made to us through the Lord by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. There's an incredible offer that's been given to us that he will take us from the altar of I, me, and he will put us at the altar of I am. And we know the call of God to share this wonderful news it rests on us. It's not someone else's job. It's not some other group. It's not some other organization. It falls on every one of our shoulders who call on Jesus as Lord.
And I love the promise that Jeremiah receives. I will be with you. I will provide. I will protect. I will take care of you. You are going to face opposition. And man, does Jeremiah face opposition. It doesn't matter. God's promises are not null and void. Remember what God said to Jeremiah to begin with? I watch over my word and make sure it does what I intend for it to do. Bow your heads with me and close your eyes. There's some here today who their worship is centered around the God called I and me. Their worship is at the altar of self and the altar of stuff and not at the altar of the Son of God. I want to tell you today that there is judgment coming. And it may not be in this life, it may be in the next. But there is fierce and there is final judgment. And it is the consequence for sin and rebellion. And I want to tell you that Jesus loves you so much that he wants to rescue you from that because he took your punishment, he took God's wrath against you so that you don't have to face that terrible, terrible consequence, ultimate consequence of sin and rebellion. He's done it already. And to refuse that gift when it is offered to you freely, it's irrational. Let me give you an opportunity today to put your faith and trust in Jesus. To turn from sin and to trust Jesus. For the rest of us, let's not be like Jonah, sitting on the hillside, waiting for the fire and brimstone to fall. But let's be like Jeremiah, bringing a message, even if it's unpopular to a people who desperately need to hear it. God, work in our hearts. Like Jeremiah, put that word in our bones that we could try to suppress it, but it just can't be held in. Thank you for your word, for your faithfulness to watch over it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together and have a time of response. If you're being baptized today, feel free to go ahead and, and, and head over there during this time. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to give you a chance today to make a decision to put your faith and trust in Christ alone. We're going to stand together and sing our time of invitation. You respond as the Lord would lead.
been good to worship our Lord Jesus Christ today, amen? Aren't you thankful that he wants to be with us, to provide for us, to protect us, to, to send us out with his presence? Uh, what, a, what a delightful promise that we have uh, from, the, from the word of God. Uh, we're not through yet. We're through here, but we're not through yet. Some of you were doubters and didn't think I could do it. Uh, so mark this down. Um, so do be careful. What's that? Three minutes to spare. Do be careful uh, on your way over. Uh, and uh, we plan to start at 1140. So, uh, so if you're rolling in the parking lot at 1139, you may miss it. So, uh, so don't linger, and, uh, and we look forward to, uh, to seeing you over there. Ryan, would you mind coming and dismissing us in prayer, please?